I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. As every parent of a young child today knows, the latest generation of education technology is both a blessing and a curse. Newly developed apps, online resources, and digital tools can provide students access to an unprecedented array of learning experiences. Yet taking advantage of those tools requires that students spend more time in front of screens rather than conversing and developing relationships with peers and instructors. In this new environment, how should teachers and school leaders approach the issue of digital technology? How can schools get screen time right? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, And I'm joined today by Dan Scoggin, co-founder and chief advancement officer at Great Hearts, a charter school network serving 15,000 students in Arizona and Texas. He's also a contributor to the forum in the winter 2018 issue of EdNext, which poses the question, should we limit screen time in schools? Dan's response, entitled Putting Dialogue Over Devices Shapes Mind and Character, is available now at educationnext.org. Dan, welcome to the EdNext podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So your perspective on screen time in schools clearly reflects the context of the charter school network you founded. I wonder if you'd start out by telling us a bit about Great Hearts. What's distinctive about its schools? Great Hearts public charter schools, 16,000 students, K-12 in Arizona and Texas. We're, We're growing nationally. And what's distinctive about Great Hearts is our classical liberal arts curriculum. Um, from kindergarten to, to, to 12th grade, students study the great ideas and texts of the Western tradition, study Latin, uh, other European languages, uh, advanced math and science. But it's really those Socratic seminars beginning in the, the earliest uh, years, those, those conversations culminating in really robust two-hour conversations in our high school that are real, really the hallmark of our program. And what do you see as the role of technology at Great Hearts and in K-12 schools more broadly? You're not a technophobe altogether. What role does it play? Well, that's, that's right. I mean, technology has an important role to play in, in modern schooling. We're not Luddites. We're not looking to, to dial things back to the 19th century. Um, what's really important is that technology is kept in its proper context. Technology is a tool. Uh, used at the right time uh, with the right purpose. It can be uh, very important to crafting parts of an education, but it can't be the first driver. It can't be the primary medium. That's why we think conversation and first principles and character should be the, the, guiding, the guiding force of a, of a good education. So what are your specific policies with respect to screen time? If I were visiting your schools today, what would I see? Well, you would see some screens in our advanced science classes. You may see some laptops, uh, students writing essays or doing some research. But generally speaking, uh, you're not going to see tons of screens. And what you're not going to see is students with their their cell phones. We ask them to leave those behind for the day, put them in their locker. Um, And you're going to see students in small groups. You're going to see students in seminars having conversations. We talk a lot at our schools about creating a place of reflection, not a place of reception, a place of reflection 
um, and, and looking at the other human being across you and engaging one another around dialogue, around great ideas. Uh, so we're not anti-tech. We're just a place of uh, humans first. Now, your partner in this forum, and I choose the word partner because I'm not entirely sure it's a full-throated debate, uh, but Tom Vanderark argues that the emerging generation of ed tech really has the, and I'll quote him here, the power to accelerate learning productivity in ways we can scarcely imagine. So I wonder, do you agree with that claim? And if so, do you worry that this more measured approach to integrating technology that's taken in your schools will cause students to miss out? Well, I'm not sure what learning productivity is. That sounds a little bit like an assembly line or, or some type of kind of factory floor. And we, you know, so we want our students to be incredibly productive. We think a classical liberal arts education forms students who are critical thinkers, who can write well, who can speak well, who can problem-solve in groups. And that's going to put them in the best position for the 21st century economy. Uh, we don't know where the puck's going to be a few years from now. We certainly don't know where it's going to be 10 years from now. So we need to give students the ability to think clearly, express themselves, and listen well. And we think that's the the best launching pad uh, for the current context in our culture. Um, And technology has a place to play, of course. We want students to be digitally literate. Uh, But first of all, they need to be able to think clearly. And more than just thinking clearly, they have to have a deep sense of character, a sense of empathy, a sense that there's a greater good beyond themselves. They're not just downloading an education like an app uh, to be a consumer and to use it for utilitarian purposes. It's the purpose of education in a classical tradition is much broader. As you talk about character here in responding to that question and also even more in the essay, it really comes through that this is absolutely central to what you're trying to cultivate it in the students who are attending Great Hearts. And in the essay, you refer to uh, a concept from the sociologist James Davison Hunter, who distinguishes between morally thick and morally thin institutions. It sounds as if you're trying to create what he would call a morally thick institution as a tool for developing students' character. I wonder if you could explain to listeners what you mean by that term and how you see technology playing a role in or potentially interfering with that approach. Yeah, James Davidson Hunter, we're a big fan of of his work, uh, The Depth of Character. Um, And he talks, just as you said there, morally thick communities as opposed to thin ones. Morally thick communities are where you have deep and and ongoing relationships with your peers, with other adults. Uh, There's a a connection between the school and the family. Um, There's suffering. There's loss. There's overcoming that's shared in community over time. There's context. And that's what we're trying to create in our schools, where, um, you know, you learn to fail. You learn to see others fail and help them. Um, you learn to, to listen. Uh, you learn to celebrate together. Uh, it's like great schools are, are like a, an extended family table of conversation, of debate, of ups and downs. Now, that's, technology can support that. It can support uh, learning science. It can support catching students up. And also, in some cases, you can wrap technology around this morally fit community to extend face-to-face conversations beyond the school day uh, or beyond space and time um, outside of the school. And so there's a place for that. Um, but 
you know, think, think of the best form of schooling um, like the best form of parenting. It's real, it's visceral, um, and it's very much uh, meant to be lived uh, face-to-face. As you note in the essay, it would seem to be very hard to parent virtually, so maybe why would we think educating virtually uh, would be any more tractable? Yeah, that's 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 right. You know, great. You can't you can't uh, Skype a, a parenting relationship. Um, now you can extend it. You know, if you're on a business trip and you want to stay in touch with your son or daughter, that's great. You can you can use technology to record memories and to you know to to, to be thoughtful about uh, the relationship over time. But it, parenting and schooling. Um, and, and the best relationships are those that, that happen in morally fit communities. Now, towards the end of your essay, you talk a little bit about what exactly you're trying to cultivate in students with respect to their perspective on technology. I'm going to read a portion of that right now and ask you to react to it and elaborate on it a bit. You write, the point is not to cordon students off from technology. That would be foolish. But to teach students how to go back and forth thoughtfully between various media and understand the costs and benefits of each. The student's job here is to cultivate the prudence to know when a digital experience can enhance, continue, or make possible interactions that would otherwise be forestalled, and conversely, to know when a medium is being asked to do more than it should. What does it mean to ask a medium to do more than it should? And how do you proactively develop students' prudence in wrestling with these issues? So I think... When you talk about an education forming the ability for students to be wise, to understand first principles, to, to order lesser knowledge underneath higher-ordered thinking, um, to understand the moral context of knowledge, that we really need to teach students when uh, a conversation, when listening, when further refinement of a point is required. Uh, and I, I just think technology has not captured that Socratic seminar experience, that thoughtful dialogue, it can support it. But our students get so digitized today in modern culture, I think they've lost connection with how to listen well, how to be reflective. So I think the the greatest skill we can give our students in a high-tech culture, our kids are going to be high-tech. Great hearts kids must be high-tech. But is to know when they should put down the digital experience and pick up the phone, um, (laughs) go over across the hallway, gather for coffee and talk um, and, and figure something out. And if students can realize what are the limitations of the digital experience and what are the extensions provided by the human experience, I think those students are going to have the most power to problem solve in, in the days ahead. My guest today has been Dan Scoggins, co-founder of Great Hearts Classical Charter School Network. His essay on screen time in schools is available now at educationnext.org. Dan, thanks for your essay, and thanks for being part of the podcast. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Ednext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or another platform so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners to find us.